You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Genesis chapter number three. I'm going to start reading here, and I won't be able to cover all that I wanted to cover, but I want to start reading here in verse number one and read down to verse number 13. And the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yes, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And I want to minister this morning for just a moment. We're praying, we're believing. Maybe I know that if you've been, you're here this morning, you surely have felt the tug of the Holy Spirit upon your heart, but we're praying and believing. If somebody's here and doesn't know Jesus, of course, we want them uh, to prayerfully uh, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. But I want to minister this morning for just a moment on the fall of man, the fall of man. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that God would have his way this morning? Father, we love you today. I'm thankful, God, for your grace and for your mercy and your love, and we're thankful for what you've already done. My Lord, it's been so good this morning already to be in your house, God, to be in your presence. Lord, I only pray that you would open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to properly, God, to receive. And Lord, anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I know that if I put the word forth, it cannot and will not return void. So I just pray that you do a work that only you can do. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. I want to briefly recall, I want to tell you this morning, you can keep your Bibles open if you'd like. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, you can look along with us on the screen as we go through these texts. But it's important to bring your Bible to the house of the Lord if you're able to do that. And so I want to encourage you to do that. But nevertheless, we are thankful that we have this screen that you can look at because we definitely want you to be able to see the text. You don't want to just take my word for it. You want to be able to look at the scripture yourself and to know what the Bible says for yourself. And so I want you to follow along as we get to that and look at a few things with me this morning. To be brief, I, I want to recall, and I'm, I'm, because I feel it's needful, I've been the last couple of Sundays on helping us uh, to be assured or to have that assurance in our heart in regards to our uh, relationship with the Lord. 
We want to know that we know that we know that when we take our last breath, on the day that we stand before the Lord, that we're going to, everything between me and God has already been taken care of. Amen? There's nothing more important in your life. Look, you're, you're, I'll go as far as to say your family, your job, your home, you have nothing, you have not a greater priority than making sure that you are okay with Jesus Christ. And that is by believing upon Him as your Lord and as your Savior. That is number one. That's first and foremost because everything else should fall in place after that. Amen? And so we looked at a couple of weeks ago our judgment that we take for our sin. There's two judgments in the Bible and I am uh, running through it kind of quickly, but I I'm just want to be brief. Two judgments in the Bible in regards to sin. One judgment that we can take is here and now. We can understand that we are a sinner, that we have fallen short of the glory of God, and we can understand the truth of the Bible, that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be saved. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by a man-made program. You're not saved because you're a good guy or, or, you're, or you're a good lady. You're not saved because of these things. You're not saved because of how much money that you have or how much money that you don't have. You're not saved because of what kind of car that you drive. We only are saved because we have placed our faith in Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary and come to that knowledge that He is the Savior of the world and we are in relationship with Him and living and walking with Him. Look, you know, God made it simple. You don't have to look for a, a way that will fit you. There is one way that will fit you and one way only and that is through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Amen? The other judgment of sin, Revelation chapter number 20, is when we stand at the great white throne judgment which there will be no believer that stands on that day. If you're at the great white throne, listen, you don't have to look for a well done, my good and faithful servant. It will be depart from me, I never knew you. There's no believers that will stand there. So we either take our judgment for sin here and now or we will take it later. You don't want to be at the great white throne. You want to understand, first of all, the revelation that we've all sinned. That's all of us. That's each and every one of us that we have all sinned and that we uh, that there's only one way of salvation and that is through Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we can know for sure that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that we will hear well done my good and faithful servant. Amen. And then last week I was on being sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is faithful. He is so faithful. And do you know that Jesus Christ did not save you? He didn't come to a cross and die there. He didn't shed his blood. He didn't stop by a whooping post and take 39 stripes across his back. He wasn't mocked. He wasn't, his beard wasn't plucked just so that he could look for an opportunity to throw you away. No, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe upon Him might be saved and have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. You were condemned already. We were condemned already. He came to save us. And listen, the power of the Holy Spirit is that is there to seal us or preserve us or to mark us as ownership that we now belong to the Lord. God is not a God that is setting up high on the throne with a big staff waiting to knock you out of the kingdom. He is a God with His arms open wide saying, I love you. Come to me. My hand is stretched out still. I love you. Listen, somebody Somebody needs to hear this morning. Uh, God loves you this morning. He loves you today. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how much rotten things that you've done in your life. I don't care how many people have looked down on you. I don't care. The, 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 the fact of the matter, the truth of the Word of God is that for whosoever will come unto Jesus, they shall be saved. And that means you. And thank God that means me. So we looked at that. And so I, 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 uh, I, this morning I want to go, i got to say this, and I want to go right into the text because I, I'm trying to be um, respectful of the time also. But I want to tell you this, as a believer growing up in a church, and I've said this several times and I'll say it again, but I grew up in some of the greatest churches under the greatest pastors. I lived in the best home that ever existed. That's, that's the way I feel. But as a believer, when I got to be a teenager and I got to feeling the pulls in my heart toward the things of the world, when I felt these, begin to feel these pulls, I found, I found myself being pulled between wanting to live for God, but also wanting to please the world. I wanted to live for God. I love God. But I also wanted uh, my buddies that didn't love God to, to like me also. And so I was pulled between the two. I was, there was a warring, as Paul would describe it in Romans chapter 7. There was a war that was going on in my innermost being, and I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't really know what to do with it. What I did do was I lived like the world when I was in the world, but when I came on church on Sunday, I lived like those that, that, that love God because I did love God. But I want you to know, God wants you not just to live for Him on Sunday. He wants you to live for Him Monday through Saturday. But I found it difficult. And my own personal testimony, I'll say this. Well, last week I talked about being justified. Justified means that I've been declared not guilty of all of my sin. Look, the courtroom of heaven. How oh, that's good. The courtroom of heaven is satisfied when you stand before God spiritually. The courtroom of heaven. Listen, teenager, because if you're at the age of accountability and you can hear what I'm saying, you need to understand that you are being presented before the courtroom of heaven. And your mom won't be there, and your dad won't be there, and your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your best friend, they're not going to be there. You will be presented before God, the Father, in the courtroom of heaven. And the only way that the courtroom room of heaven is satisfied is when you stand there having no defense and you look to Jesus and you plead the blood and God the Father can justify you and declare you not guilty. Look, I haven't never been before the court and stood before the judge, thank God, but I have been to court before and I know that when you stand before the judge, I don't care what argument your lawyer has made. The judge has the final say. Listen, in the courtroom of heaven, the judge has the final say. And I'm telling you right now, anybody in here that's ever went to court before, I got to believe because just going and sitting there and being there for somebody else, I was nervous. I, people ask me, you still get nervous when you go to the pulpit? I don't get nervous when I go to the pulpit. But when I stepped in that courtroom and all of a sudden you got a, uh, you got a couple of mean guys over here in uniforms that can do whatever they want, and the judge sitting up there, I'm sitting there quiet as a mouse and still as a rock. And you don't got to count one, two, three. It's automatic. But I'm a little nervous. And I got to believe that anybody that walks in front of the judge, they're a little nervous because you don't know exactly what they're going to say. 
Listen, I want to tell you this morning, you don't got to be nervous in the courtroom of heaven. You don't got to be nervous standing before the judge because today you can say, I'm a sinner. I placed my faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. And you can know that you know what the verdict is going to be. Your verdict can be not guilty this morning. If I'm wrong, the Word of God's wrong. I'm not wrong this morning. I can tell you that according to the Word of God. But for all of my life, I lived in that justified position. I felt like I'm saved today and not saved tomorrow. Anybody in here that knows that you're a believer, just, you just don't feel like you're a believer sometimes? They don't feel saved? And that's where I was. I lived in that justified position. Do you know there's three parts to our salvation? Justified, sanctified, and then glorified. Glorified will reach when Jesus returns. Not when you take your last breath if you go by the way of the grave. But it will be when the Lord calls his church home and the dead in Christ rise. That's when we will receive our glorified body. But do you know that our growing process is when we move from justification and get on into sanctification. And I'm being changed by the grace of God that is flowing in my heart. Here's what the devil done. He kept me here at being justified and I never grew in the Lord. Because I started believing, well, maybe I'm not saved. And I'd go back and I would, look, that's where the devil wants you. Because if he can keep you in that justified position, he's all the time talking to you about how sorry you are and how uh, unworthy that we are. And pretty soon we get to believing him. And the only way that you can lose your salvation is that you quit believing. So that's what he's doing. He's attacking your faith. I'm preaching good. So I had to move out of that justified position. And we do that by faith in Jesus. Listen, you're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. As long as your faith remains in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. I'm not talking about a head knowledge. you knowing who Jesus is and, oh, I can go on and I can live however I want to live. Uh, you can, but the believer doesn't do that. Well, I'm saved. I don't know what you're saved from. That's not biblical salvation. Biblical salvation is when you give your heart to the Lord, little by little you are being changed. That's the evidence. Of our salvation. Well I'm not being changed. Well I'm going to give an altar call in just a little while. Now. On to the fall. What happened in that garden? What happened in that garden? With Adam and Eve. It was dramatic. Because God expelled them out of the garden. He expelled them. Put cherubims there to guard. Swords of fire. Don't ever come back. What happened in that garden? Knowing what happened in that garden helps us understand our foundation, where we come from, because it will help us to understand exactly how great the work of Christ was upon the cross of Calvary. Our last Adam, Jesus Christ, brought us life. Our first Adam brought us death. And understanding the significance of that will do nothing but help us to grow in the Lord. The fall of man, what we've just read about, this is our problem. You get that? According to, Bible, to the Bible, people sit down, what do you think about this? What do you think? Look, I've taught Scripture. Scripture is what I, I, this is the only foundation of truth that I have found in the world. I'm not going to go to some other source. I'm not going to go to something, what do you think this is good? Doesn't matter if I think this is good. I think this is right. And so I've got to go to the Bible. And when we look at the Scripture we understand that our problem is when we partook of the forbidden fruit. That is when sin came upon us. 
Listen, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. Our problem is sin. Our problem is sin. I don't mean this in an unkind way, but I don't got to sit down with you and say, what is it that makes you sad? Well, you know what makes me sad? I don't want to have that conversation with somebody. I sit down and talk to married couples or anybody. I don't, need, I don't have to hear all of your problems. I just want to tell you the solution. Because somewhere there's a broken relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we all come back to that relationship with Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to restore it, everything will fall into place. So I ain't going to sit down with you and say, what is it that makes you sad? Ain't nobody got time for that. There's lots of things that makes us sad. Emotions is a part of our life. But... There's things that we, we look at here when we understand what exactly is going on. And there's many things I'll have to leave behind this morning. But let's look at verses 1 and 2 together. Verse number 1 and verse number 2. What happened in that garden? The Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We can eat of any fruit of the trees of the garden. We can eat of any of them. And if we went on, I better read verse number 3 to clarify that. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. In verse number 1 and verse number 2, we have the first trial of whether man and woman would be obedient unto God. I want you to understand this morning, we were up here praying for some needs, some big needs. And it doesn't matter what needs you have, all needs are important to God. But a trial and something that you're believing God for is necessary. They're meant for our spiritual growth. And the trial for Adam and Eve was necessary in regards to their spiritual growth. From the very beginning, God's desire was never for those that are tempted to fall to the tempter. Even though a trial or something comes upon you, it's not God's will for you to fall into that temptation. It's God's will for you to allow that temptation to draw you closer and closer to Him. The devil uses it to cause us to fall. And God uses it to draw us closer to Him. I watched this morning, I'm going to say this, and I know that he won't mind, or I wouldn't say it. We're believing God right now to heal Brother Jeremy's mother, Sister Lynn. We're believing God to heal her. We're believing for a miracle. We're asking God for a miracle. I want to tell you this this morning. I have had people say, you know, uh, 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 well, did you see so-and-so or do you see him? Brian Talk gave a good testimony of why somebody shouts like they've shouted. I have seen people before when their family was afflicted in such a way, they got mad at God, they got discouraged, and they fell out. And then I've seen others like we just seen a while ago. I know I'm not embarrassed yet. He's too good of a friend. Uh, but uh, we've seen others how he's in the midst of the fire right now his feet are in the fire and he's up here and saying here sickness can't stay any longer perfect love has cast out fear uh, worshiping uh, and praising God already now we're not so holy that we're going to tell you we know exactly what God's going to do but I can tell you this for the believer that loved God I know exactly what they're going to do they're going to say God I need you now more than I ever did before I will not let go until you bless me Lord I'm going to mm, knock on heaven's door until God touches me and God blesses me 
So many people get mad. They don't understand the fall. I'm going to get into, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself and I'll back back up. But so many people get mad. They don't understand that in during the fall, this is why that we deal with death. This is why we deal with sorrow. This is why we deal with sickness right here because of the fall of man. Why are you getting mad at God? God came to save you from all of this. Well, God owes me something. No, He don't. He doesn't give us more than what we ever deserved. Now look, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. I deserved death. He gave us more than what we could ever deserve. He gave us His Son. You don't get mad at Dollar General because Walmart cheated you. I don't make a bit of sense. People, I've had people sit down, oh, I'm mad, I'm angry. I am too. I'm mad. Oh, you are? You're mad at God? Well, I'm not mad at God. I'm going to be mad at the right person. Brother Blake afflicts me. I'm not going to get mad at one of these guys. I'm going to get mad at where it came from. <laughs> and we see that these trials were meant, they were necessary for, for spiritual development. I've used this example over and over again. Running to the Lord is right, but I've got to say it because it's right. If I'm playing in the yard as a child and a big mean dog comes in the yard and goes to attack me and my dad is sitting on the porch, I'm running to my dad. Because here's what I know. If I can just get behind my dad, I don't know what him and the dog's going to work out. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what they're going to work out. I don't know how many times he's going to get bit. I don't know how, how, many, how much blood's going to fly. I don't know how much hair's going to fly. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but here's what I know. If I can just get to my father, I'm going to be safe and everything's going to be all right. Amen? So the right thing to do is run to Jesus. Amen. No matter the trial, God never intends for us to fall into temptation. He'll take advantage of what the Lord has provided. Let me go to verse number 3. Verse number 3 says, Eve talking, But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Now if we mirrored chapter 2 and verse number 17, the words of the Lord in that text is, You shall not eat of it. He doesn't say touch it. But Eve went further and said, We're not supposed to eat of it. We're not even supposed to touch it. The word touch here is interesting because it means that we, are, we reach for it and we draw it nearer to us. We reach for it and we draw it near to us. We're in the world. We walk around things in the world that is a temptation, but we shouldn't reach for it and draw it closer to us. In the world, we, uh, 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 to touch it, let me say it like this. There's a reason that God has commanded us as believers to come out from among them and to be you as separate people. There's a reason that God commanded us to do that. Because we are the light of Jesus Christ that is shining in the darkness of this world. We need to understand that if there is uh, there's a problem today when the world looks like the church and the church looks like the world. When you can't tell the difference between gospel music and secular music, there is a problem. When the preacher refuses to preach on sin, there is a problem. There's a problem today when the church will embrace abortion and be alright with killing a, a, a baby of what a baby boy or a baby girl. There's a problem there. There's a problem. 
When the Bible no longer becomes our guide and we start looking at a uh, self-help book that some other man has written, especially a book when a man says when it comes to living for God, the Bible is not enough as if God has made a mistake. There's a problem there. I want you to know, and maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, but to the unbeliever, I'm not better than what you are. To the sinner, I'm not greater than what you are. I'm not higher. I'm not mightier. But I want you to know this morning, I am different. I'm blood-bought. I've been born again. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside, working on the outside. I want you to know, my God is the voice of the Holy Spirit, and there is a difference between me and a non-believer. I'm different this morning. I'm not better, but I am different. And I may be being different. There are things in this life and things in this world that I should not touch, that I should avoid. Verse number four. He says this. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. An outright lie. This is why Satan's known as the father of all lies. This is the first lie ever told, ever recorded. He's the father. He produced it. You shall not. He's an outright defile of the word of God. Denial of God's word. Eve. Eve is, is let, me, let me, known in this position. Eve now has a decision. Listen. I didn't come just to preach to teenagers, but I'm not leaving you out. Because teenagers, adults, we all have temptations. She has a decision, Brother Junior. Do I follow God's word? Or do I follow? You shall not surely die. Do I follow the world? Or do I follow God's word? We have to choose. His bargain here was you won't die. You won't be separated from God. Now think about that. You won't be separated from God. You won't lose your salvation. You won't, nothing will change between you and God. You can have the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you can still have your relationship with God. That's what he's saying. I want you to know his bargain was this, Eve. You can have whatever your flesh wants, and you can still have salvation. Do you know what the popular message of the world is today? You can do whatever you want to do and you can still have salvation. You can go out into sin and you won't lose your salvation. Sounds good to the flesh. It's just not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. My dad would say, all right to live by, but I sure wouldn't want to die by it. It's not in the Bible. And that's what it says. Let me tell you something. And I've had people tell me, well, I, you know, there's so many things I have to change in my life if I want to live for God. Listen, if you will just come to the Lord, accept Jesus as your Savior, do you know why you do what you do today? Because that's what you want to do. Do you know that being born again, God begins to change your desires? So you doing what you want to do? When the Lord changes your desires, what you will want to do is please God. What you will want to do is to read the Word. What you will want to do is to be faithful to God's house. And listen, there ever comes a place where you just all out. Let me, do, let me don't say, I don't want to say if there ever. Let me say it like this. When there comes a time when you all out fail, not if, when, 
Because I'm in relationship with the Lord, I say, God, forgive me for what I've just done. And I'm asking you to change that in me. I don't want to fail you. What am I doing? I'm depending upon the Lord. I'm continuing to place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And pretty soon, that, all of them things I'm struggling with, little by little, they begin to change and they begin to fall off. Verse number, let's go after verse number five. I've got to hurry. Verse number five. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. In verse number 5, Adam and Eve, they desire to gain knowledge. Look, your desire to gain knowledge is not wrong, but we got to do it in the right way. Uh, the, the serpent was saying, here's the way you can do it. You can just do whatever your flesh wants to do. And God is saying, here's the way I want you to do it. I want you to be obedient to me. The desire to gain knowledge is not wrong. It's the way that we go about gaining that knowledge. God pulled at obedience while Satan pulled at the desire of the flesh. God pulled at obedience. Satan pulled at the flesh. Do you know that all of us was created? We are, I don't care if you have, we have identical twins, nieces. Came out, tested, identical twins. Couldn't be more different than two people in the world. They, I mean, they, they just, one's girly, one's a little tomboyish. Just how they are. They ask them one day what kind of bugs they like. And one of them's saying, oh, I love ladybugs. They're pretty, they're just, they're cute, got the dots. I just love ladybugs. The mama says, well, how about you, Kate? How, what kind of bugs do you like? I like ticks. I mean, different, completely different. No, they wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I like ticks. They're different. Do you know that there's things in your flesh that pulls at you that may not pull at me? And there's things in my flesh that pulls at me that may not be a hang-up for you? Now look, it may be a bondage. It may be an addiction. It may be lust. It may be our temper. It may be a self-righteous attitude. It may be pride. I don't know. I'd say last week, all of us, our sanctification was tried a little bit if you were having to work outside. Amen. Salvation was tried a little. My Lord, what are you doing? Amen. If you were snowed in with your significant other, Everybody's waiting. Oh, he's fixing to get in big trouble here. Your salvation might have been tried. Mine wasn't. <laughs> but it's a possibility. I don't know what your weakness is. I'm not going to share with you mine. Nobody came in this morning perfect. Nobody came in this morning so holy that we're just, oh, I don't have no problems, nothing. Those, those that preach sinless perfection, I have, I'm difficult. That's, my, that's one of my trials. I have a really hard time talking to them because when you say sinless perfection, oh, no, I got the Holy Ghost and I don't sin no more. I'm thinking, you just lied. You just lied. All right, I'll move on. The thing I want you to see is I don't know maybe what your weakness is, and you don't know what mine is, and we don't, we're not setting a time we can sit down and share with one another. 
But Satan knows what to use to pull at us. Satan knows what to use to pull at us. Amen. I got a few of us that agrees. Some of us kept the halo on. But Satan knows what to use. And that's what he's going to do. He knew what to use for Eve. Hey, Eve wants knowledge. Hey, you know what? Just take a bite of that fruit. You'll be just like God. Hmm. He knows what to use. We got to be aware. But no matter what our issue or problem is, I want you to know that by the power of God, by faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, victory is great enough even to the pulling down of strongholds. So this morning, whatever you're struggling with, faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary is still the answer. In verse number 6, I'm not going to go through all of them. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband and he did eat. Eve was deceived. Adam just, he just downright did not believe. Adam's sin was unbelief. You know everything in the text right here implies that while Eve is talking to the serpent and the serpent is trying to beguile and trick Eve, Adam's wife, that the scripture implies that Adam is standing here the whole time and allowing the serpent to talk uh, uh, doubt and unbelief and allowing him to deceive. Adam's just standing by. Eve is deceived. She took of the fruit. She just handed it to Adam. No argument, no fussing, nothing. And he partakes of the fruit. He's standing by. I got to say something right here. And I, I just want to encourage you in verse number 6. If I could, men, young men coming up, husbands, we are still the head of our house. That doesn't mean that you're the boss and that you rule over and that your wife is to be belittled. That means that you are the one that God has chosen to move through and to deal through in order for the spiritual benefit and the spiritual safety for your household. And if there was ever a time that we as men need to stand up one more time and be men of God and to take our place in our home, it is now. Listen. Your family needs you. Your family needs you to take your place and to be the spiritual leader of the house. Verse number 7. Here it all happens. The eyes of them both were open. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves apron. We may go up. Oh, let's stop right there. The eyes were of them were both open and they knew that they were naked. They sewed these fig leaves together. In verse number 7. Is when it happened. The glory of the Lord that was hiding them. The light of the Lord that was hiding them had been lifted up. They all of a sudden had a knowledge of sin. What was the tree they eat of? The knowledge of good and of evil. There was good on that tree too. There was good on that tree. But there was also evil. Do you know that? Let me, let me, let me. Bring this out. When we look at the words good and evil, if you go to a simple Strong's and anybody has access to a simple Strong's, do you know that the word good there, it will give you definitions, there's, there's several, but it will give you definitions like pleasant, well, cheerful. Well, what's wrong with these things? Do you know that there are some people in the world today, you ever seen somebody that don't live for God and that looks like they've got everything they want in the world? 
They've got everything that when you're thinking, why, God, are they so blessed and I'm over here struggling? Do you know that, though, what is it? What have you gained if we gain the world and we lose our soul? Let me just say it like this to be plain and simple. Too much good is not good. If you are so blessed and fortunate that you never give God a second thought because you don't need anything, that's not good. The word evil, afflict, bad, worse, hurt, wickedness. That's what these definitions mean. In verse number 7, and I'm going to have to quit after this. But mankind was flooded. They were, we was flooded with all kinds of feelings. Good and evil feelings. This was the moment that we was flooded. We was overwhelmed. Our heart was begin. It was, we was experiencing things we never experienced before. And the devil plays off of our feelings. He will pull at our feelings. There's people that will say, well, just follow your heart. Not for the believer. Your heart is exceedingly wicked. Don't follow your heart. We were flooded with feelings and we're being pulled by our feelings. Good feelings, evil feelings. And listen, feelings will be a part of your life, but they should not control you. Everybody in here has suffered loss in their family. A person could be so overwhelmed by that that they start suffering from depression and that situation consumes them. Do you know the Lord did not mean for you to be consumed? That's why Luke chapter 4, the second thing he listed is he came to heal the broken heart. He came to heal the broken heart. We get good feelings, we get evil feelings, but we should not be so consumed by them that it controls our life. Feelings can fool you. Go on what you know because what you know will hold us. The devil uses it. i got to bring up this text and I'm about to hush. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 1. The Apostle Paul teaching here and he says this, and I'm talking about uh, going back to those that have been, that knows that you are saved. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He's giving us a truth. He's giving us something to believe. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you know that you know that you are saved, listen, you may not have experienced this yet, but you're going to. There's going to come a time when you don't feel like you're saved. And what I do is I go back to this truth. There's no condemnation. The devil wants you to feel condemnation, which is guilty. But there's no condemnation is the truth of God's word to them which are in Christ Jesus. Good and evil flooded their heart. Feelings started to flood their life. So they are a part of our life, but they should not control us. And they hid from God. They hid from the Lord. I want to ask you a question. I'm summing this up because I'm trying to get to my closing they went and hid from the lord where are you going to hide from a god that's everywhere where are you going to hide i mean i play hide and go seek with my little niece and i can hide in the same spot over and over again she just wants to she just wants to hear your footsteps coming and scream when you get close she's not hard to find but where are you going to hide from god that is everywhere, nowhere. There's no place to hide. And in this fall, we fell out of a relationship with the Lord. 
We were flooded with sickness and sorrow and disease and all of the things that we deal with. But what I want you to see in verse number 15, Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, he said this, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise thy heel. And if you could fast forward to verse number 21, and Adam also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. The fig leaves, though they covered everything that needed to be covered, was not sufficient. He had to cover them with coats of skins because he would shed blood. He would shed blood to cover them. What is the Lord talking about? In verse number 15, we go back to it real quickly. In verse number 15, he's talking about when it says, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise thy head. It's talking a heel. It's talking about bruising the heel is the things that Jesus suffered on the way to Calvary. But the bruising of the head would be Jesus' victory over all sin for all of mankind. I want you to know, and I'll sum this up and I'm going to hush. That to every one of us, we inherited a sin nature from Adam and from Eve in the fall. All of us did. All of us did. But God was not satisfied leaving you separated from him. And so he sent his only son. He gave Adam and Eve coats of skins, a shedding of blood. And now, in order to be back in relationship, see, God's plan is to put us right back in that relationship that he intended. There was no fault in the plan of God in the beginning with Adam and Eve. His plan is to return us back to that state, glorified state where the glory of the Lord covers us. And the way that he brought this about is that he sent Jesus Christ to die for each and every one of us. I want you to know this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the very fact that you're still alive this morning is because of the mercy of God. Because He loves you too much. He loves you too much. I don't know how many days you've been alive, but that's how many days that God has kept His hand upon you, waiting and hoping that you will accept Jesus as His Savior. Because while this life is but a vapor, eternity is forever. And God's plan is to spend eternity with you. That's what he wants. And if you want that this morning, all we have to do is say yes to Jesus, accept him as our Lord and as our Savior. And according to the word of God, I can promise you that your name will be in the Lamb's book of life. And heaven will be your dwelling place for all of eternity. Will you stand with me this morning? I want you just to play something softly for me, if you would, Brother Jeff. Will you bow your head with me? Will you close your eyes? We're just being reverent to our neighbor, reverent one to another, nobody looking around. But we do want to be reverent this morning while the Holy Spirit moves upon our hearts. I hope right now that you're thinking. I hope that you're looking at your heart and you're questioning your own heart. See, but nobody knows where you stand with God except for you and God. Nobody knows. And we could, we could fake, we could play, we could pretend. But the one person that we can't hide from is God. And this morning, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm not trying to put you 
in, in a doom and gloom. I'm trying to tell you this morning that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, well, you're the very reason that He came. And if you would have been the only one, He would have stepped out of heaven anyway. And He would have went to that cross. And He'd have laid His life down for you. This morning, as you're thinking, as you're examining your heart, I want to ask you this morning, where do you stand with God? How's your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you walk with Him daily? Do you know that you know that He is your friend that sticks closer than a brother? Where do you stand out with Jesus this morning? Only you can answer that. Your spouse can't answer. Your children, your mom and dad, they can't answer that. Where do you stand at? See, God sees us when we're all in secret. When we're at home and we prop our feet up and nobody else knows how we are. God knows how we are. Well, this morning, I just want to ask you simply. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And I want to go one step further. If you're here this morning, and you say, I don't know where I stand with God. Listen, don't get scared. I'm not going to ask you to come. I don't feel led to do that. I'm not going to ask you to do anything to embarrass you. This is between you and God right now. But what I am going to ask you to do is this. If you don't know where you stand with the Lord, nobody's looking around. Would you allow me to see your hand? Would you slip your hand up and right back down and allow me to see that? Because I want to pray for you this week. And I want to pray for you before you leave. From right where I'm standing, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you're here this morning and you say, that's me. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly. I don't know where I stand with God. Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, God, for this hand. Hallelujah. Come on, is that you? Say, don't leave me out. Raise your hand up. Let me see that hand so I have the privilege of praying with you this morning. Anybody else? Thank you, God, for that hand. Anybody else? Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Right now is your time. This is the time you've been waiting on all service. Don't pass it up. Don't pass it up. Don't leave. And say, I wish I'd have lifted my hand up. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking. One more opportunity. Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Thank you, God, for that hand. Real quickly. Hand up and right back down. Anybody else? All right, here's what I want to do this morning. Several hands went up. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I want you to know this this morning. Simply saying a prayer will never save anybody. But if you believe what we're about to pray with all of your heart, I mean believe the words as they're coming out of your mouth. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And this morning, I'm going to ask everybody in the building, if you would, to repeat this prayer after us as we pray these through to the Lord in the relationship with Jesus this morning. Will you help us today? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry 
for the things I've done. And I'm sorry for the sin in my life. But this morning, I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that though he was buried, that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. I believe that he is alive and that he lives for me. And right now, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me. And I ask you to help me from this day forward. And by faith, I can say, that I am saved, that I'm washed, and I'm made whole by the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. And now we've got a right to rejoice because somebody gave their heart to the Lord this morning. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's rejoice because somebody's name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on our Facebook page, Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72476. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on our Facebook page also. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family.